Welcome to episode 18 of How to CE5, where over the course of 21 episodes, we are covering 21 basic things for you to do so that you can be a great CE5 ambassador and make contact with ETs. I'm Andre Cardoso, and today we're going to be talking about the role of self-care in CE5 fieldwork. It's something that can have a big impact on our abilities and experiences across our lives, including what we're doing in CE5, is how we take care of our health, body, mind, and spirit. So today I'm going to be going over a few different areas that I think are good to focus on when we think about taking care of ourselves and making sure that we're in a good place mentally and physically to do this kind of work, which can push the boundaries of what we think we're capable of mentally, emotionally, and physically. Now, I will give you a disclaimer because I am not a doctor and you should not take anything that I say in this episode as medical advice, but there are some common sense general health advice and approaches that you've heard before that I think are apt to repeat, especially when we think about the effect that our overall health has on our activity as ambassadors and activists in this initiative. So, number one, sleep well. This may seem like a silly thing to add in here on this list, coming from someone who is suggesting that you stay up for hours during the night to go outside and make contact with ETs, but it is fundamental that you get good rest. If you are already a night owl, then doing evening field work shouldn't be that much of an interruption to your usual routine if you already get enough sleep as it is. For those with poor sleep patterns or for those who plan to do CE5 outside of your regular night sleeping schedule, then you need to factor in a few things. If you are staying out until 1 or 2 a.m. and going to bed between 2 to 3 a.m., then you need to make sure you get your 7 to 9 hours of sleep after that. Sleeping until 10 a.m. to 12 noon. And sleep into the morning light if you need to. For this, it really helps to have blackout curtains or a sleeping mask. And I know I've found white noise in the background to be really helpful too. For white noise, there are white noise generators, white noise machines that you can get online. And there are also smartphone apps that generate white noise. I have one that I really like that I'll leave as a link in the description for this episode. Leading up to your CE5 event, it can be really helpful to get in sync with the later sleep schedules so that you're not impacted by drowsiness during the field work. One of the benefits of doing CE5 work over several evenings is that it gets you and the rest of the group in a steady circadian rhythm. So by the third or fourth night, you are really tuned in to being active and alert during the part of the night that you need to be. If you do fall asleep during field work, it's just a sign that you need to rest, that you need the sleep, so don't beat yourself up over it. Just try your best to get into a rhythm that leaves you ready and wide awake for whatever fieldwork time works best for you. And if fieldwork earlier in the evening works better for you, or even doing fieldwork during the day or any other time, it's fine to do what works for you. So you don't have to go out at night to do CE5 fieldwork, but um, if you do, make sure that you get enough sleep. The second point that I want to make is to be mindful of how you're eating and what you're eating. There are a lot of recommendations out there on what are the best foods to eat, and I'm not a nutritionist, and I'm not going to pretend like I know exactly what 
every person needs to eat. But one thing that I think everybody can agree on is that it's really healthy and helpful to eat whole foods that come from good sources. Studies are pretty solid on how fruits and vegetables are good for you. And um, the ancient medical science of India, Ayurveda, has some great insights on how different foods affect us and how the growing and the preparation of food can actually have an effect on our consciousness. This is something that was thought a lot about by Rudolf Steiner, who uh, founded Biodynamic Movement. And I think it can be really useful to have that mindfulness about how our food is being grown, how it's getting to our table, and how we eat it, and what effect it has on us. So being mindful of where your food comes from, how the growing and distribution of the food affects other beings on the planet, all go into how it nourishes us, on a physical level and also on a mental level. Building a relationship around healthy food and community life is a great worthwhile activity and can contribute to your overall health and well-being, and laying a great foundation for life pursuits like making contact with ETs through this initiative for Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. The third point that I want to cover about health and what we can do to be healthy is how it's great to have an exercise practice that works for you. Studies are solid on how regular exercise that works for your cardiovascular systems and musculoskeletal systems improve general well-being into old age and actually contributes to longevity. Rather than letting our bodies degrade over time, we have the choice to stress our bodies in a healthy way so that we can stay strong and flexible until we are ready to move on into the worlds beyond. It's common that many athletes use things like meditation to improve their game, but the reverse works too. From, from my experience and the experience of others that I know, athleticism can actually improve your abilities to access and utilize higher states of consciousness. I heard that the great teacher of meditation who brought the tradition of meditation to many millions of people, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, actually said that he found that athletes ended up becoming some of the most skilled meditators. I found that when I am more consistently exercising, I often find it easier to settle into quiet mind. Both exercise and meditation can have an uplifting effect on your mood and thoughts and sense of capacity. Exercise has a huge effect on the brain and its health. Now, I'm a big proponent of prayer and meditation and the effect that our state of mind can have on the physical universe, but it can sometimes be a misnomer when we constantly refer to the phrase mind over matter. Because for most people, while meditation is great and really helpful, it will not make you invincible to every health issue. And we should always be doing other things like eating well and exercising and sleeping well. Another thing about exercise, and specifically with the kinds of stretches done in yoga, is that it helps prepare the body for sitting in meditation more comfortably and with less pain. And that leads me to point number four, which you probably figured we'd cover since we already had a couple of episodes where we talk a lot about meditation. So I want to go into how powerful meditation is as an effect on our health and well-being. Meditation, intention, and the experience of transcending has deep effects on our well-being and that of others around us. Regular meditation is a fantastic thing for you in all aspects of life, and the studies on this are also rock-solid. It has an amazing effect on the body and brain on just a physiological level. But the fact that now we are becoming better acquainted with the non-local effects of meditation 
and entering states of deep mind with the intention for healing or universal peace just makes all of this even more important of an element to include in your regular habits for well-being. Meditation and mindfulness is also a great thing to have alongside and bring into your other aspects of life. Mindful eating, mindful movement, mindful relationships with other people, all of these things add up and the ability to impact our mindset and therefore our experience in initiating close encounters of the fifth kind. I really encourage you to learn what type of meditation works for you. Find a way of having a mindful practice, something that you turn to when you need to get that moment to reset and to tune in to the broader aspects of mind. I also recommend considering the power of prayer and affirmation. Dr. Larry Dossie has some fantastic books on the subject of the power of prayer in looking at the medical and scientific studies on prayer. The names of his books are Healing Words, Recovering the Soul, Reinventing Medicine, and the aptly titled Prayer is Good Medicine. A lot of great evidence for non-local aspects of consciousness can also be found in the new film, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. Knowing the non-local effect of intention in the field of consciousness can be incredibly empowering, and that leads me to the next point. Know your purpose and what effect you can have. Having purpose in life is important, and CE5 can help in creating a sense for the power that lies within you. In connecting with your purpose in CE5, remember that this kind of group work is actually a balance of paradoxes. There's kind of a few different paradoxes at play in doing CE5. One of them is the balance of reverence and irreverence. In some aspects of doing CE5, there's this great feeling of reverence, of honor, that um, we, it's really a privilege to be involved in this work and it's really deep and meaningful on this you know, on this really beautiful level. And then there's also irreverent aspects of it. It's really helpful to be lighthearted about it and to keep a sense of humor about yourself and to not take it too seriously, even though it's also really serious. Embrace the paradox of all of that. CE5 is a revolutionary act, and yet it's also totally ordinary and available to anybody. While it's not a really fixed part of our culture right now, and it's not seen as really a normal thing to be doing, CE5 and the things that we're doing in consciousness and in opening up our senses and our abilities to contact is actually really simple and within anybody's capacity who is awake and mindful. So the, the more you do it, actually, the more it will seem like second nature and that it's just something that is available to everybody. Another paradoxical aspect of CE5 is that we're connecting things on this huge broad scale far into the future and also far into the past. CE5 and this process of expanding our awareness to include the awareness of other beings is something that has been with us from time immemorial and will be with humanity infinitely into the future as well. For me, I have found there to be a power in paradox. And so juggling all of these ideas actually helps to center us in a very natural and healthy place for us as humans. 
free from the trappings of fundamentalist or hardline tendencies in our thoughts or actions. So while we are clear in our purpose for peaceful contact, and we can anticipate certain things and even do so precognitively, the deep learnings that come in the process of doing this group work and in continuing it over weeks, months, and years often cannot be known until they arrive. There is a gift in the mystery and in the unexpected, so embrace that. So those are my tips for things to consider when you're thinking about self-care and looking after your health as an aspect of initiating close encounters of the fifth kind. If you would like some more tips about how to form a CE5 working group and more on meditation, equipment, and logistics, download the free CE5 Basics PDF from the website ce5podcast.com. I'd also like to remind you that there is a great app out now called CE5 Contact where you can get up to speed on how to do CE5 and even find people in your local area to do this with. You can find that in your mobile app store. Just search for CE5 Contact. This podcast is a labor of love that I've been putting together in my spare time. If you'd like to support my work and keep this show on the airwaves, go to ce5podcast.com team. That's T-E-A-M. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you on the next one.